A few weeks ago, I got to serve at a camp called Outdoor Outreach. I, I serve at that camp every single year. Um, and it is the best week out of my year. But this year, one of the kids in my group, um, she brought me a gift one day. The very first day of camp, she learned my, first, or she learned my favorite candy. The second day of camp, she, she brought me that candy with a, a note attached. The note read, Jake, thank you for giving us candy all the time. You're a great person. You're, you're great at your job. And I'm pretty sure you're a good pastor. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for teaching us about God. You're the best person. I hope you like your sour worms. Love, Raya. Uh, but as I read that note in front of everyone, in front of my campers and, and everyone else, I, I was moved to tears. This act of genuine love, this, this act of kindness, it, it meant so much to me. Uh, I have not opened the bag of candy. I, I don't think I ever will open the bag of candy. I'm weird like that in other ways as well. But um, th this bag, you may look at it and you may think it's not unique. You've seen it probably countless times at the grocery store. You, 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 maybe you've even bought it once or twice yourself. But, but this bag right here, this one's different. It was hand-picked with love for me, a love not seeking anything else in return, a, a love that is selfless, a, a love looking to add happiness to my life. So I won't be opening this bag. It, it'll sit on my desk with the note next to it. And, and every time I look at it, I, I'll be reminded of that moment, a, a moment of love. I'll be reminded of that, that moment I got to spend at camp for that week a moment that I will cherish for the rest of my life. Have you experienced moments like that in your life? Maybe moments you, you, you just want to stay in. Maybe moments you would love to just barricade yourself in, just freeze time and remain in that moment. But the truth is we cannot stop time, right? Time keeps moving no matter what. It never slows down. In life, we move from one moment to another. Sometimes these moments, sometimes they only last days, sometimes they last weeks, sometimes they might last months. Sometimes these moments, they, they last years. But eventually those moments come to an end and we leave them as time keeps moving. And some good moments we want to remain in, but there's also some moments that we cannot wait to escape it's kind of mind-blowing when you think about it, uh, the concept of, of time. And maybe I'm just having a midlife crisis. I don't know. But, but I know that the time that we have is precious. Each and every moment that we're given is, is precious. And those moments, they, they seem so brief in retrospect sometimes, right? But the impact of those moments is, is everything. Whether they're good or whether they're bad, the, those moments, they leave a mark on our lives, what impact are we making in those moments? If it's a good moment, it's, it's easy to show love, right? Those moments that make us feel good, that, that love just kind of pours out of us. Uh, that's part of what draws us into those moments, part of what makes us want to stay in that moment. In some ways, those good moments, they make us feel complete. Often we fight to leave those moments behind, just wanting to bury ourselves there. But time, it refuses to stop, so we can't either, so we continue to move. What about the bad moments? The moments where it's hard to love? What impact do we leave then? 
constantly looking for an escape from that moment, or maybe even simply trying to cope or, or simply trying to survive? Are, are we looking for ways to love others in those moments? And through that process, are, are we so focused on being in a moment that we don't enjoy, that we forget to show love, real, genuine love to others? What impact does that leave? And the truth is, as we're forced out of those happy moments, the, the moments that mean the world to us, as time drags us by the heels and, and we scratch and claw to try and remain in those good moments, the, the moments that make us feel loved, we start to feel some bitterness as we enter into a new moment, maybe angry about having to leave that other, other moment. Uh, so that bitterness kind of outpowers our love quickly falling into a pattern of only showing love when it's easy for us. And, and often in those moments, we, we say, why now? Why now, God? Why now do I have to leave this moment and come to this moment? Why now? Why is this happening? But is that love only showing love when we get something out of it? Only showing love when it's convenient for us? When, when we feel like it matches the moment that we're currently in? A love that comes and goes, a, a love that sometimes fades into the distance as time moves on, a love that stays in good moments, but it's missing when times get hard. Is that real, genuine love? Uh, we've been working our way through Romans 12. Here, the writer Paul, he mentions what kind of love we should have in every single moment. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves. A short two verses, but there's so much depth, so much complexity to those verses. And I think that first line, love must be sincere. It all kind of hangs on that. All, the rest of the verses, they just kind of fall into place if we can figure out that first line. But what is sincere love? The, the word sincere, the English word actually originates from two Latin words, sinecera. Sinecera, it means without wax. Back in Roman times, um, merchants would sell pottery. Uh, sometimes this pottery, it would, it would get cracks, it would break. And so they would mend the pots back together with, with wax. And then they would glaze over the cracks and they would sell those, that pottery to people. And they, they would buy it thinking it was whole, that it was good, it was going to last. But they would get it home and eventually, little by little, that wax would wear away. And then that pot, it, it would fall apart. So honest merchants, they started to sell pottery with those two words on it, sinecera, so that people, when they bought those pots, they knew that it was going to be whole. It was without wax. It was going to be a pot that would, would last. Our love must be sincere, sinecera, without wax, love that lasts, because moments, they come and go. We can be grateful for the good moments, but when moments just don't go the way we plan, how do we tap into that genuine love, that sincere love that Paul is talking about? Do we need to rethink our love altogether, rethink our love and find a love not defined by the moment we're experiencing, a love that is constant, a love that is true, a love that, is, that remains no matter what moment we face in life? Because the truth is, as we leave those moments that have meant so much, we, we start to question, am I ever going to experience a moment like this again? And, and because of that, we start to feel angry. We begin to cling to hate. We honor ourselves over others. The darkness, it devours us. In the dark, we stumble into graves. 
grasping bitterness and despair, unwilling to love because we felt like we've lost so much by leaving that moment. So the grave, that's where we'll stay, holding tight to bitterness, holding tight to despair, no real love to give, none that lasts anyways, a love full of cracks held together by pieces of wax. Eventually that wax wears away and piece by piece, it falls apart. How do we find our way out of the dark? How do we leave the grave? How do we restore the pot as we enter into a new moment of life? Not holding on to bitterness. Instead of sincere love, a love without wax, a love that will last. In the book of John, we find a man named Lazarus. Lazarus, he is, he's laying in bed. He is, he is severely ill. And the sickness, it's, it's ravaging him. Lazarus, he has two sisters, Martha and Mary. Martha and Mary, they've been doing their best to try and nurse their brother back to good health, but nothing is working. The, the sickness is relentless. And Martha and Mary, they sit outside their brother's room, maybe leaning against each other, not knowing what to do next. Oh, what could they do that would help him? Can you see them in that moment that they did not plan? In their desperation, they decide they're going to send a message to their family friend. And this friend, he loved their brother Lazarus. He, he was close with them. They thought that this family friend could, could help their brother in this moment. So they start to write this message. The note read, Jesus, your friend who you love, he is sick. They had seen Jesus do miraculous things, right? It was natural for them to think that he could do something for their brother in this moment. They didn't specifically ask Jesus to come and heal their brother. They didn't think that they had to. They thought that simply telling Jesus what the problem was, that that was enough. When Jesus received the message, though, he was about a full day's walk from where Lazarus was. And, and the truth was, at this point, Lazarus was already dead once he got that message. And Jesus knew it. Here's what the Bible says. When, when he heard this, Jesus said, the sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. And now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. He stayed where he was two more days. If he loves this family, why would he not rush to their side? Why did he delay? Why did he wait? And you can imagine it was, it was agonizing probably for Martha and Mary. They probably struggled to understand this moment. They loved Jesus. They had helped Jesus. Why did he delay? I'd imagine it was hard for them to love in that moment, thinking of good moments before, moments absent of sickness, moments absent of death. I'm sure in that moment, instead of love, they felt bitterness. They felt despair. Stumbling in the dark, they find a way into a grave of their own, wondering why they had been dragged into this moment. Why did Jesus delay? Why did he not come? Why will he come at all? Uh, but through this all, Jesus knew the end result. And, and soon the two sisters, they would know as well. For five years, I got to live out a dream. Uh, for five years, I experienced one of the best moments in my life. It lasted five long years. Uh, but eventually, uh, I felt like God was calling me Somewhere else, I had been living in, in Puerto Rico, sir, working at a school that I loved. Um, been there for five years, and, and then I felt like God was leading me somewhere else. And I was offered a position here at the church in children's ministry. And um, 
my wife and I, we discussed it and she was excited for it. She's like, yes, let's do it. She was pregnant at the time. So we needed the financial stability. But we said, okay, if God really wants us to, to move to Beloit, then he'll open the door. And if he opens the door and makes it clear, then, then we'll do it. And God just started opening door after door after door after door. And it was just abundantly clear that this is what his will was. So we decided, okay, let's do it. And um, I accepted the position. And I'll tell you, sometimes we think that God's will is so easy to follow. Sometimes we think that uh, we're going to do God's will and it's going to be easy, but it's not always easy. I can tell you that leaving Puerto Rico, leaving that school, leaving those kids that I had grown so close to, that was the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. Um, but I knew it's what God wanted, but that didn't make it any easier. I remember the very last day of school that I was going to be there. The kids had known for a month that I was leaving, uh, that that specific day was going to be my last day. It was a Friday. Uh, so when the kids came back to school on Monday, I, I would not be there. And that last day that I was there, it was a day full of tears and hugs and gifts. I remember at the, the very end of the day, um, kids were having me sign stuff, taking pictures with me. And, and uh, one of my students, she was a sixth grader at that point, Gabriella, I had taught her since she was in first grade. Usually at the end of the day, I would walk her to her um, after school program down the street. And that day, I, I would do it one last time. And so I walked with Gabby down the street. She held on to me. She was crying. I was crying. And we got to the after-school program building. And, and she just hugged me as tight as she could. And she said, Mr. Clark, please don't go. Can't you just stay? And I said, I'm so sorry, Gabby, but I can't. Uh, before I know it, a, a parent is tapping me on the shoulder. And I, she wants me to take a picture with their son. So I, I turn and I do so. I turn back to Gabby and, and Gabby's gone. I, I look up at the building of the after school program and in the window, Gabby has her hand pressed against the window and she is just sobbing. She is just weeping. And it's an image I'll never forget for the rest of my life. But it, it took everything for me to walk away from that window. I remember walking down the street, walking back to the school, walking past the gate, walking up the stairs, walking into the classroom. I didn't turn on the lights. I just shut the door. I fell to my knees in the dark and I began to weep. I began to cry the ugliest cry that I probably have ever cried. I began to yell at God, what are you doing? Well, why would you do this? Why, why would you give me this dream and bring me here and then tear me away from it? Why now? And as I, my face against the concrete crying, I, I felt God say to me, trust me. When have I ever let you down? Trust me. I whispered back, okay. Wiped the tears and a couple days later, my, my wife and I, we began our journey from paradise to Beloit, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> only by God's will, right? And I wish I could tell you that it was easy once we got here. I wish I could tell you that once I got here, I was like, okay, done with Puerto Rico. But it was not like that. I was yearning for that moment that I had just left. Still feeling it in my heart. I was heartbroken. All of my joy, all of my happiness, it was left in that moment. All I had here was the bitterness and despair. I stumbled into a grave of my own. The darkness devoured me. My family suffered for it. 
As I laid in the grave, as I, as I refused to let go of the bitterness, there was something I couldn't grasp, something I couldn't quite, quite see as I laid in the grave, as I, as I clung to that hate and that bitterness. Have you been there in your own life, frustrated with the moment that you're in? Wishing you could have stayed in that more fulfilling moment, asking God, why did he delay? What's taking so long? Why are you doing this? Why now? After waiting two days, Jesus, he starts to make his way to where Lazarus was. He arrives on the scene and people are mourning everywhere. At this point, Lazarus had been dead and and put in the grave for four days. Martha, she comes out to meet Jesus as he arrives. Immediately, she expresses her disappointment in Jesus' late arrival. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Martha expresses her disappointment, right? But, But then she says, even Now, those two words, they show Martha's faith and trust in Jesus, even in a moment like that. She didn't say, why now, Jesus? Why do I have to go through this now? She said, even now, even now in this moment, I will trust you. Even now I will believe. Jesus then proclaims to Martha that her brother will rise again. And Martha, she doesn't understand what Jesus is saying by this. This is what the Bible says. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. No, the one who believes in me will live even though they die and whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she replied. I believe that you are the Messiah, the son of God who is to come into the world. Martha had struggled to understand what Jesus was saying about her brother rising again, almost as if Jesus was referring to a different moment, a moment in a dim and misty future. But Jesus was saying, no, 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 no. I am the resurrection. I am the life right now in this moment and in every moment I am that and so much more. And then we see a beautiful moment when Martha confesses that she believes that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God. Soon after this, Martha's Sister Mary, she comes out to meet Jesus. Martha, or Mary just throws herself at Jesus' feet. She starts to weep and she says the same thing Martha had said. Lord, had you been here, my brother would not be dead. Almost as if they had said it to one another before Jesus arrived. Had you not delayed, we would not be in this moment. She laid there, her face in the dirt, weeping. Jesus seeing Mary in this state, Jesus seeing Mary in this moment, it moved him to tears as well. The Bible says Jesus wept. The word used to describe Mary's weeping, it was a word described that was used to describe loud wailing. When a loved one died in that culture, that's often how the family members mourned, this, this loud weeping almost out of control. But when the scripture describes Jesus's Weeping, Jesus wept. The word they used for that wept was like a quiet weeping. Jesus was greatly moved by the moment, but he was not out of control. At this point, they they led Jesus to the grave where Lazarus had been laid to rest. And the grave was kind of like a cave. And in front of the cave entrance, there was a large stone. The stone was there to keep out wildlife. It, It was also there to keep the smell of a decomposing body inside the grave. Jesus says, take away the stone. Everyone freaks out. Martha, she comes to Jesus. You can't move that stone. He's been in there four days, dead. Imagine how bad it's gonna smell. 
Jesus, he replies, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I say, said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. People just stood there silent at this point, staring at the cave entrance, the entrance to this grave, staring at the darkness, not knowing what was gonna happen next. They just, they just stared, not knowing what Jesus was doing. And then eventually they heard it. They heard the sound of a man shuffling his feet. And that sound continued to get closer and closer and closer to the entrance of the cave until eventually here comes Lazarus emerging from the dark into the light. Lazarus is wearing what uh, they call grave clothes. It was burial linens that they would wrap the bodies in. Immediately, Jesus says, remove the grave clothes. Almost as if he was saying there's no need for him to have grave clothes because he is free from the grave. But here in front of everyone, we see the end result, the end result that Jesus had known about. The whole reason that he had waited two days before coming to Lazarus, Jesus' delay, it was not a denial. He was not trying to make the sisters suffer in that moment. Jesus knew the end result. He knew that it would bring greater glory to God. He also knew that this would help them build their faith. Though stuck in this moment that they did not plan, as they watched Jesus work, as they watched the glory of God unfold, their faith in Jesus, it was strengthened. Think about Martha, right? Jesus gives Martha a promise, your brother will rise again. Jesus drew attention to himself. I am the resurrection. I am the life. Trust me. Jesus called upon Martha to confess her faith. Jesus called upon her to act on her faith by moving away the stone. A moment that had been so hard to love in, so hard to show real sincere love, quickly became a moment that was impacted by love. The moment Martha and Mary wished to escape became a moment that they wished to embrace, all fueled by the sincere love of Jesus without wax, real love. A moment leading to the end result, the glory of God. As I mentioned before, uh, serving at Outdoor Outreach, the camp all week, it was the best week. Um, not just because a little girl gave me candy. I felt God moving that week. I felt him working. I felt his presence there with us. I had grown so close to my group, connected with them. They made me feel so loved, made me feel so valued. But it wasn't just that, it was all the other volunteers there as well. Seeing everyone work together, serving these kids, serving God, worshiping God. It was like we were a family. It was like we were a community. I'd been doing the teaching during large group time each day uh, for the elementary campers that week. We were, our theme was back to basics. We wanted the kids to walk away with a firm grasp on um, the foundation of, of following and believing in Jesus. I'd, I had, the week prior, I'd spent time preparing each teaching. Day one was about the Bible being true. Day two was all about God's creation and how he, we are created in his image. Day three was all about how sin is bad and separates us from God. And, and day four was all about how Jesus came and died for us so our, our sins could be forgiven. On day four, though, I wanted to do something special. 
I, uh, I felt like it was such a heavy teaching. I was teaching the kids that sometimes in life we, we mess up, we make mistakes, we sin. And because of all that mess, we, we carry around the guilt, we carry around the shame. And sometimes that stuff starts to weigh us down. And because of Jesus, we can let it go. Because of God's grace, we can let it go. And so I told the kids, once I was done teaching it, if any of you have come today and you just feel weighed down by something in your life, um, and you would like to come forward and have me pray for you, I would love to pray for you. I said, so once I'm done and I step off the stage, if you want me to pray, just come forward. The rest of you just stay in your groups. Your group leader will pray and then you'll go to lunch. I, I step off the stage, I look up and I have 15 to 20 kids coming forward for prayer. I did not expect it. I didn't even expect one to come forward, uh, but I, I sat them all down in a line and then I went down that line one by one and I spent time praying for them individually. And it was such a beautiful moment, a moment that I'll carry with me the rest of my life. But when I left that day, um, I was sad. I, I was realizing that the next day was gonna be the last day and I could feel the weight that the fact that soon this moment would be over. And I, we have a picture of my group. I think they already put it up, but there's my group, group one. I, I, I feel like that was part of the hardest part is knowing that there's a chance I will never see these kids again in my life. Holding so dearly to this moment, not, not wanting it to end. I cherished each moment that week, the kids that made me feel so loved and I didn't want the moment to end, but I went home that day with the task of having to write the last day's teaching. I had been pu putting it off um, the teaching was about how God wants to be with us forever in heaven and how we need to share the good news of Jesus. And I did not know what to write. I didn't know where to start because I was feeling so emotional and I didn't even want to start because I didn't want the moment to end. I sat there staring at the screen and it was there that I thought about how time never ends, how we're moving from one moment to another moment constantly. So I wrote about that. I wrote about how hard it was for me to say goodbye, how much that week had meant to me and all of the kids had meant to me. I, I wrote about how God is with us in every moment, how he uses those moments to strengthen and prepare us for every moment. And on that final day, as I was on stage teaching and my groups <laughs> sitting in the front row, smiling at me as I teach and as I was telling them about how, how these moments, they're so precious how eventually we'll get to a point where we get to be with God in heaven and, and how it's so important for us to share that good news with others so that everyone can be there as I was there letting them know how these moments strengthen us. For some reason, the story of me leaving Puerto Rico just popped in my head. And maybe God put it there, but I impulsively shared it with the kids and I, I let them know how that moment was so hard for me to leave, uh, how hard it was for me to get through. Uh, but there, as I told the story, I could see that moment, how it led to another moment and then led to another moment. And I saw a string of moments that strengthened me, that, that helped me become the man that I am today to, to be where I am today. And I realized that all of those moments that God helped me through my life, it brought me to being on that stage in front of those kids. And at that point, overwhelmed with gratitude, I thought about all the moments that God had planned for those kids.
that now as they would go into those moments, they, they would have that foundation that they would believe in Jesus. No matter what moment they faced in life, they would face that moment with, with Jesus. Once I finished teaching, um, I, hopped off, I hopped off stage and I, I started to gather my things. And one of the, the kids that I had prayed for the day before she approached me and she said, uh, Jake, whenever you're done doing whatever you're doing, can I pray for you? I said, do you want to pray for me? She said, yeah. So I dropped what I was doing. I sat on that stage and just like I had done for her the day before, she put her little hand on my shoulder and she prayed the most beautiful prayer, a prayer of sincere love without wax. And when she was done, I, I asked her, why, why do you want to pray for me? She said, because I am thankful. And she turned around and walked away like it was no big deal. She headed towards the other kids having lunch. And I just sat there for a moment thinking to myself, am I ever going to experience anything like this again? And there I, I, I just thought, trust me, trust me. So I got up and I went and I enjoyed every second of the rest of that, that moment. But as I drove home that day, once camp was over and I, I reflected on that, that week and that moment, how good it was, I reflected on teaching and how God had given me that, that story about leaving Puerto Rico. I reflected on, on this little girl praying for me and I, and I realized something just clicked. I realized what I had been missing when I left that moment in Puerto Rico, when I was devoured by the darkness, lying in the grave, clutching onto bitterness. I realized what I had been missing, but that little girl, she got it. She understood it because I am thankful. I had been missing gratitude, being thankful for whatever moment God blesses me with, even though it was ending, being grateful for what God had done. So now I can look at that picture of my group from camp and maybe I'll cry. Maybe I'll be a little sad, but I am grateful, grateful for God blessing me with that moment. And as I enter into new moments in life, whether they're good moments or bad moments, I can reflect and be reminded of a sincere love, a love fueled by Jesus without wax. But can you imagine... Can you imagine if Lazarus did not leave the grave? If he just stayed there, Jesus has them roll away the stone and Jesus, he prays, he thanks God. And then he says, Lazarus, come out of the grave and Lazarus just stays. He says, no, no, I'm good. I'm gonna stay in the darkness. I'm gonna lay here for a bit. I, I, maybe I'll come out in a bit. That's crazy, right? So why do we remain in the grave holding on to bitterness, holding on to despair? How can we impact every moment in life with sincere love? As time moves and we move with it, what foundation can that love stand firm on in our lives? A foundation not held together by wax, but a sturdy foundation that will last through anything. Remember the, the theme for the kids, back to basics. Can it be that simple? Do we need to align our lives with the basic truths that God has given us? I believe it starts with us waking up spiritually. We tend to just lie down in the grave, grasping bitterness and falling asleep, faking love. It drains us spiritually. Spiritually, we grow tired. Getting out of that deep sleep starts with reading the Bible, spending time in prayer, spending time with God, reminding ourselves of, of God's promises, promises that are true in every single moment. 
So we must awaken spiritually by aligning with God's word. Secondly, we need to be whole. As we lay in the grave and that wax wears away, we break apart piece by piece. This world will try to consume us as we rest in the grave, taking little pieces of us bit by bit. As we align with God's word, we're reminded that we are created in God's image. Everything good in him, he's put in us. He makes us whole no matter what this world tries to take away. So we must be whole by aligning with God's likeness. Thirdly, we need to be aware. Uh, as we awaken spiritually, as we're made whole, uh, we, we can be aware of what can harm us, of what causes us to lay down in the grave, what causes us to be separated from God. Because of God's grace, we are forgiven. We can let that stuff go and we can avoid it. So we must be aware by aligning with God's grace. Lastly, as we awaken spiritually, as we're made whole, as we're made aware, we need to live together as one. We need to love one another without wax, devote ourselves to one another and honor one another higher than ourselves. What helps us live together? God's plan. He wants to be with us forever in heaven and not just us, everyone. To do that, we have to share the good news of Jesus. We have to share that sincere love with everyone in every moment. So we must live together by aligning with God's plan. When those pieces, they start to come together with that foundation intact, no matter what moment we face in life, we will not say why now, but we will say even now, even now, God, I know that your word is true. Even now, I know I am created in your image. Even now, I am aware of your grace. Even now, in this moment that I did not plan, I will trust your plan. And as we stand upon that foundation built on his truth, he will begin to build around our life. He will build hope. He will build joy. He will build peace. And as gratitude overwhelms our hearts and we say, thank you, Jesus, his love will pour out of us no matter what moment we are in. His love, real love, a love without wax, sincere love will fill our lives. And we get to share that love. We get to share that love with others, giving them a glimpse of Jesus. Every moment we experience in life, it is precious. Every moment can lead to God getting the glory, but we must rethink the way we love in those moments. Our love must be sincere without wax. We must hate what is evil, cling to what is good, leave the dark and come into the light. We must be devoted to loving and helping one another. We must honor one another above ourselves. We must live together. It will lead to the end result, but we must follow his voice as he calls. Can you hear the voice of Jesus? Can you hear his voice calling your name to leave the grave? And as you walk out of that grave, as you leave the darkness and you come into the light, as that fresh air fills your lungs, Jesus orders the grave clothes to be removed because you do not belong to the grave. You are free. And as you move towards Jesus with a heart full of gratitude, you can hand him the bitterness. You can hand him the despair because you don't need it anymore. And as you begin to feel the love of Jesus rising up inside of you, as you realize his delay was never a denial, it was leading to the end result, the glory of God. And as you watch the glory of God unfold, you realize the same love. Are you with me? The same love, the same love that impacted Martha and Mary's moment of mourning, that same love can impact whatever moment you're in. That same power that raised Lazarus from the dead, that same power, it's moving in your marriage. That same power is moving in your finances. That same power, it's moving when a loved 
one is sick, that same power, it's moving when, when you lose your job, whatever, whatever moment you face, it's moving. That same power, it moved a little girl to buy me candy. That same power, it moved a little girl to want to pray for me. That is the God that we serve and we get to share his love. So whatever moment you may find yourself in, follow the voice of Jesus. Love others the way that he loves you wholeheartedly, sincerely, without wax. No more why now, only even now. Even now, God, I will believe. Even now, God, I, I will trust. Even now in this moment, I will love. If you've come today and you feel like just like the kids that I invited for, if you feel like you're weighed down by something in your life and you would like prayer, my dad will be down here, my kin will be down here, I'll be down here to pray with you. Uh, we can leave the grave, let go of the bitterness and, and share that love. But let me pray for you now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this moment. We thank you that we can gather together and exalt you. And we just pray whatever moment we're facing in life that you would continue to lead us, call our name, God. Lead us into your presence. Aid us in leaving the grave, walking out of the dark into the light and help us to share that sincere love with whoever we come into contact with so that we could lead to the end result, the glory of God. It's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwire.com and have a great week.